Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hey everybody, good to see you tonight. Turn to somebody and, oh, you can't do that. Just wave at them and then you may be seated. (laughs) Crazy times, huh? Uh, And there's some feedback, All right, Uh, We are honored to be with you tonight. Thanks for coming out on Friday night. Come to church on Friday night, that's pretty good, huh? Uh, Just tell you a little bit about us. Trudy and I have been married August 28th of this year for 50 years. Isn't that wild? <laughs> and we got uh, saved back in the 70s. Anybody remember the 70s? A couple of us. Uh, we, were, we were just young kids and, you know, we, we, we loved each other. But uh, we got married and I was uh, 19 years old. She was 17. Now, we didn't get married in 1917. Okay, I have to clarify that. But I was only 19. She was 17. And uh, we really did love each other. But then we got married, and we couldn't get along. And we didn't know how to get along. And the major thing we didn't know was we didn't know Jesus. And uh, so one night, we had a, one of our monumental fights, arguments, slash. And uh, so I went to bed, and she stayed up, and she cried out to God. In fact, Trudy told God that night, I didn't know she was going to do this, but she did. She had gone to church, denominational church all her life. I had gone to another denominational church. We weren't going to any church at that time. Uh, But she said, God, listen, my dad is an elder in the church. I've tried to serve you all my life. And as far as I can see, I've never seen you do anything for me. She just told God that, right? And she said, I tell you what, if you don't show me that you're real and that you can help me with this, because I love this guy, but we don't have, know how to get along. We're probably going to get divorced and whatever. Then I'm just not going to church again the rest of my life. And she just told God that. My wife has a real ability to get honest with God. Real honest. Uh, so the next day. Everybody say the next day. The next day. Somebody came over to our little apartment while I was at work or school. I was going to college then. And uh, they came over and they had just received Jesus and then been filled with the Holy Spirit. And this happened at, at the dentist's office, this particular dentist that they went to. That is a creative dentist to get you saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And they told her all about it, and she said, i got to have that. And so she, they prayed with her, and she got born again. And then she said, I want that other thing you, you, you talked about. And they said, what, she said, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to speak in that language. How do you do that? And they were just baby Christians. This had happened to them a month or so before. And they looked at her and said, well, we're really not sure how to tell you to do that. We just know. She said, well, what did you do? Well, we just prayed and asked God to fill us. And then he just, this language came. And so she said, okay, Lord. She began to just say, God, please, please fill me with the Holy Spirit. And she begins to beg God. And they stopped her. And they said, we don't know a lot, but we know you don't have to beg. You just have to receive. And so she said, okay, Lord, I just received it. She began speaking in this language. And they said, that's it. You got it. 
And then they said, now, this is great, but we got to go. And they went and jumped in the car, and she said, well, what do I do now? And they said, we're not really sure. And they drove away. I'm telling Trudy's story here. But she said, I just, I, I just knew that when I prayed like that, I, I felt like I was close to God. So she proceeded to pray for four hours that afternoon in the Spirit nonstop. How many know if you pray in the Spirit for four hours, something could happen to your life? So I, I, and I'm coming home that night, and I haven't cried out to God, right? I'm just going to want a tuna sandwich and a, and a cold beer, and I'm going to bed. And she, I walk in the door, and I can tell she's been crying, but she looked happy and different. And I said, you okay? She said, yes. Oh, I had the most wonderful day. I got saved. I'm right with God. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can speak in this language. Would you like to hear me? Is that what you said? And I said, sure, okay. So she said, okay, come to the bedroom. So we we go in the bedroom. We laugh about this now. We don't know why she did this. But she said, you kneel beside the bed. And and, True story. And, And then she turned the light off. I asked her later, why did you turn the light off? She said, I don't know. It just seemed more holy that way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kneeling beside the bed, and she comes over to me, and she begins to pray, and then she prays in that language. And I have never heard that. I don't know anything about that. I, you know, I'm just, I've gone to this denominational church. They never talked about that. And, and I'm just thinking, wow, huh, that's interesting. And, and you know, it kind of freaked me out, but I knew she wasn't making that up. Yeah. I could tell that was real. And then she gets up and flips on the light. She says, what do you think? I said, you're good at that. That was awesome. And she said, so are you ready to receive this too? I said, what? What? So she said, no. 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 Because I wasn't ready. So she tells the story. That kind of threw her a little bit. But then she just thought, well, he doesn't understand. So she began to do something very sneaky. I didn't know she was doing this, and it's a sneaky thing to do to a guy that's running from God. She began to lay her hands on my back and pray in that language every night when I would go to sleep. And I was drinking a lot then, so I went to sleep pretty, pretty you know, good. But she's <laughs> praying for me. And she didn't know this was happening. But then in the next few weeks, God began to work on my heart. And he would, I don't know how to tell you this, he would just show up where I'm working one day in a grocery store. I worked in a grocery store part-time and went to school. And I'm back there trimming lettuce. And I don't know how to say this. I just knew Jesus was in the room. And I felt the love of God. And I'm a sinner. You got it? I am running from God. But prayer is working. Listen, praying for people works. If you do it in faith. And I'm just, I'm, and I'm back there, and I begin to tear up. And the guy I'm working with walks in the door and looks at me like, and he leaves like I'm having a moment. And I'm going, what is wrong with me? I promise that happened. And then one day I'm driving to the liquor store. Driving to the liquor store. We had a dry county where we lived out in the Panhandle of Texas. So you had to drive like 30 miles. So I'm driving to the liquor store, and God came in my car. Same presence. And the Lord told me, drive into the liquor store. He said, I love you. Just like, just like I was. Because Jesus loves people like they are. Jesus loves messed up people. He said, I love you. And then he said, I want to help you. Wow. And then he said, 
and this is very important. This is, he said, why don't you ask me to help you? See, that's the gospel right there. Jesus did everything. He loves people. He wants to help people. But they got to ask. It's not automatic. You got to invite him in. I believe he's standing at the door and knocking. And I'm going to say this. We're living in a time right now. I believe there's a lot of people's hearts being knocked on right now. Because I believe we're about to enter into, we may have entered into something we've never quite seen. As far as God moving in ways maybe we've never seen before. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have it all figured out yet. Do you? But He's waiting for people to ask. That's why church is important. That's why gospel is important. That's why you living for Him is so critical right now. Now, I didn't ask that day, but a couple of weeks later, I did, and He did, and it rocked our world, and we got set on this path. And uh, we knew we were called to do something, but we didn't know what it was. And then a few years later, I'm, I'm playing music in a church. I was in a rock and roll band, then I got saved and played, began to play in church. Back in the early days of praise and worship. You know, there was a day, I'll, t- I'll show you how old I am, that we didn't have drums and guitars in church. Can you imagine that? But I remember, I re- that was controversial when it started happening. Because church, you know, you only had like church instruments. Like you had a piano and you had an organ because that's churchy. But I remember, I remember when I first started playing drums in church, I got a lot of criticism, you know, and... Yeah, but we did that, and then I met this guy named Willie George in 19, about 77, and we became friends. In 1982, we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma to work with him. Anybody ever heard of the Gospel Bill show? We did that, and it was so cool, and you know, we didn't know really what we were doing. We were just young, and we did TV. Nobody knew about TV in 1982. Nobody even knew how to edit things. You know, my grandchildren... Know more about editing videos than I did. 1982 is just what nobody knew about that. But God blessed it, and I was part of that. And uh, through Willie George, through what God called us to do, the big thing in our life now, we've been traveling, pre- preaching on family issues for 19 years. And the big deal, our heart, is we want to help you with your family. Because family is such a big deal. You know, when you think about how God does things, God created the world, right? Genesis, you go back to the beginning in the Bible, in Genesis 1, God creates day one, day two, He creates things. Then day number six, He creates, or He declares, He's going to create a man and a woman for marriage. So you could say marriage is the thing that begins the Bible, right? Did you know marriage will be the thing that ends the Bible? The marriage supper of the Lamb, which is coming... Maybe soon, I don't know, when the church is in heaven for seven years, when there's a horrible tribulation on planet earth. And, uh, but the church is going, don't, going to escape that in something called the rapture. Isn't that awesome? It's real. I'm not, I'm not going to teach on that tonight. Take my word for it. It's coming. You want to be ready for it. But we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to get to see everybody because people that, that have preceded us, like my dad is in heaven. You said your dad is in heaven. It's real. Amen. And they're alive and they're rejoicing. We're all going to have it like this. It's going to take seven years to have a family reunion yeah. while all the bad stuff's going on. And it's going to be a marriage supper. 
which means you get to eat. Is there anything better than hanging out and fellowshipping and eating? And can you imagine how good the food is going to be in heaven? I mean, you, anybody here like cheeseburgers? Oh, I love cheeseburgers. And in heaven, they'll be the best you've ever had. If you like, I don't know what's your favorite cheeseburger. Anybody like Whataburgers? You have Whataburgers here? Uh, no? Okay. Uh, what, what's, what's good burgers in Kansas City? You don't know. You're from Arkansas. <laughs> Somebody help me out here. <laughs> you have Whataburger in Arkansas, right? No? No? Okay. McDonald's? McDonald's? <laughs> Somebody else, help me out here. I'm coming back. Whataburger? Wahlburgers. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, give me another burger, somebody, that you really like. Red Robin. Red Robin. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Anybody ever had In N Out in, in California? Oh, glory to God. Oh. You get cheeseburgers, there's going to be ice cream, you won't get fat, it's going to be, the, and, and let me tell you something, there will be no broccoli in heaven, did you know that? Anybody like broccoli here? Put your hands down, nobody likes broccoli. Broccoli's nasty. No, some people like broccoli, I guess. But, but, it's, but, but see, marriage is a big deal. That's what we're going to talk about this weekend. We're going to talk about, uh, here's our title, the Genesis prototype is what we're going to talk about. And when you, and just like we said, when you think about it, everything, marriage is a foundation of everything in life. If we don't have marriage, life cannot go on. Therefore, the devil hates marriage. He hates your marriage. He especially hates marriages where people are trying to serve God. And he comes against those kind of marriages, I think, even more than people are just kind of trucking through life. But... Uh, Go to Psalm chapter 11, verse 2. Do you like the Bible? You like to dig into the Bible? I'm a big Word of God man. And uh, so we're going to look at Scripture about this. The Genesis prototype. We're going to go through some of the different uh, principles we see in the book of Genesis that God established from the very beginning. But I believe the devil is working overtime to destroy the foundations that God designed life to work on. Because there are foundations... That hold everything up. You know, you got to have a foundation if you're going to build anything. And your life is all about building something. Did you know that? You are building a life when you are, you know, you're on this planet. And it goes by so fast. I, I, it just so fast. Listen, I, there was a day I was a young guy. But I'm not anymore. I used to be the young guy in the room. I remember that. And I was hanging out. Everybody was older. And I think, man, I wish I was older. Well, I am now. <laughs> it happens so quickly. But life goes by quickly. But the life on our, this life on the earth is so important. Because what we do on the earth will determine what we get to do in heaven for eternity. Which is a long, long time. But your faithfulness and your, your uh, willingness to work with God and for God. To do what He's put you. You know, everybody on the earth is put here for a great and grand purpose. There's no accidents. You're not just hanging out, you know? You're here for God's purpose. He created you. Before you came to this earth, you existed in heaven. And you were sent to the earth for a time period. You are in your time period right now. And God wanted you and me to be born right now. We could have been born like when Jesus was alive. 
And you may think that would be cool. I don't know. You could have been born maybe, let's say, in the 1776 when America, you know, was formed. And, uh, and everybody wore those pointed hats. And things were different back then. Everything was different. Uh, you could have been born at the turn of the century. You know, from the time the earth was created, or, or man was created, until about 1900, the best and fastest way to get around was on the back of a horse. But just think about what's happened in the last 100, 120 years. We have, think about the development that's gone on, the technical development that continues to explode right now. Wow. And God saw fit to put us here for this time. The Bible says in the book of Daniel that in the end, men will run to and fro throughout the earth and knowledge will increase. We've seen an explosion of knowledge and it continues to explode, right? And then men will run to and fro. You think about travel and how we can travel now from the back of the horse now to cars and, and, and airplanes. And I have over, how many miles I have on American Airlines? I've flown all over the world in my time, I, like three plus million, by about four million miles. That's a lot of miles, right? Men are running to and fro throughout the earth. We got slowed down a little bit with COVID, but listen, it's going to come back. Amen. It's going to come back. And, uh, but, but amazing times in which we live. And God's seen fit to put you here for this time. And your life is very important. It's short. In the scheme, grand scheme of things, the Bible calls it, it's like a vapor. And it goes by. But it's so important that we fulfill our purpose. And that begins with understanding marriage. Psalm 11, did you find it? Verse 2 and 3. The devil hates marriages. And it says this, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. This is the enemy. You know, we have, the devil's real, okay? I'm not trying to get spooky or weird, but he's just real. There really is a devil. There really is a God. And just as there really is a God, there really is a devil. And he's the one that comes against us. He's an unseen enemy, but he hates you. It's not just you and your flesh. There is an enemy that comes against you, right? And it says this, he bends his bow. He's want, he wants to shoot at you and take you down. Verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed. We're talking about the foundation of all life really is, is this thing of marriage. Yeah. And so the enemy hates it. And he wants to attack it. Sorry, I thought my airplane mode wasn't off. Uh, So he wants to attack it, and he wants to destroy the very foundations. So if we don't have a foundation, you can have pretty walls and a nice building, but if the foundation's not right, then it can't stand when the storms of life come. And storms of life come, they just come, right? We're in COVID right now. Wow. And then we've got got all this uh, tension going on racially in the world right now. These things just, things come up, and the enemy... Is stirring things up, stirring the pot. The Bible says that the devil gets real active because there's a time that he knows when his time is short. And I think he knows his time is short. I I don't think he knows everything, but I think he understands maybe as he looks at what's going on that, man, I'm going to try to do my greatest work right now. So what do we have to do? We have to strengthen the foundations. So marriage is a foundation. Genesis 1, verse 27. The Genesis prototype is what we're talking about. Let's look, at, let's look at some scripture that talk about this. Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, 
He created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, God's making a a declaration right now. He hasn't walked this out. He's going to do that in Genesis chapter 2. But he's just saying, after he got the earth ready, the world ready, and he made the rocks and the, the... the streams and the water and the moon, the sun and the stars, and, the, and the, the, the plants and the animals. Then God makes this declaration of why really He created the earth, and that is for people. God created the world because He loves people. And marriage, He says, He's going to create people in His image, in the image of God. Well, does that mean we look like God, Pastor Ken? I don't know, maybe. You know, we can't, God's a spirit, and we're in the flesh. But we do read in the Bible how that, that we read about the arm of the Lord. We read about the face of God. So maybe we do look like Him. But even more important than that, we are created to operate like God. Now don't get weird with that. That doesn't mean you're God. But it does mean you were created to operate and, and have dominion. We're going to read about that in a minute. And to operate like God. It's an amazing thing. But He created us in His image, male and female. So God, it, listen, we got to establish this right away. What God, the, what God made people to be is what He wants them to be. Uh, I'll say it this way. Design determines function. And the way you were designed is the way God wanted you to be. And He didn't make any mistakes. And, and that's something that people are confusing right now. And a lot of the reason for that is because the enemy is attacking people and there are horrendous things happening with people right now. Abuse, uh, people raised in these weird homes, and it affects people. And, and that's one of the reasons we get into things like men thinking they were born to be a woman and vice versa. But, but here's what we got to come to. That's not the way God created that to work. The, the equipment God gave you defines what He wants you to be. And anything else doesn't work and it's sin. In fact, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is very important to understand. And, 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 but this scripture is also a redemption scripture. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's read verse 9. We're talking about the Genesis prototype. We're talking about how God designed marriage to work. And Paul says this, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? I'm reading from the New Living. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols. Did you find it? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Here's some pages turning. Or commit adultery. Pretty clear, right? Or are prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. That's New Testament. That's right down the line. That's not condemnation. That's the truth. Do you get it? Is everybody okay with that? These are called sins, and when you practice these things, you can't get into the kingdom of God. That's what God said. He's not being ugly, but God has standards that He wants us to live up to. But then look at this beautiful scripture. I love verse 11. He said, Paul says, goes on, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, here's what we do when we find people like this, we go, we love on them and say, hey, you know what? 
God loves you. And He wants to help you. And you can be cleansed of that. And you can be made holy. And you can be made right with God. Isn't that exciting? You can be delivered. That's what our job is. And then they can inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying, there's people like that. Which tells me, we need people like that to come to church so we can help them, right? Am I okay with this? See, this is the truth of God's Word. So, God created us to be what we are. And then, back to Genesis 1.28. said, then God blessed them. This is so powerful. And said to them, that's the male and the female. This is for marriage. This is what God, the will of God is for marriages on the earth. You ready for this? This is good stuff. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's a good word. And have dominion. Everybody say dominate. Dominate. God's designed us, not on our own, not through our own will, but in Him, working with God, walking with God, to have dominion, to rule and reign on the earth. So when things come against us, we can stand in faith and do what the Bible says, and we can come out of it. I don't know what's going to happen with the COVID, but I know there's a people rising up in Christ, and we're going to be all right. We're going to be fine. It's not going to kill us. It's not going to kill the church. It can't do that. Praise God. Y'all are fun to preach to. Uh, so this is the will of God for your marriage. God's designed people to come together, a man and woman, and be fruitful and multiply. That's having babies, but it's also fulfilling what God put on the inside of you. You know, there's giftings in everybody. And God put that in you to fulfill a purpose. And, and I think so many people, so many people, I'm not putting anybody down, but I think they live and they die and they really don't do what God called them to do. Isn't that sad? Yes. You know, I, I heard a, one of our fathers in faith was telling a story one time about how he was in the hospital. And this particular man, he was a preacher, had visions of Jesus where Jesus would just show up. I mean, I mean really show up. Not just, I mean, here, Jesus was there. So he's laying in the hospital. I think he'd broken his elbow. And he's laying there in the hospital and, and he heard steps coming down the hall one night. And uh, his door opened, and in walked Jesus. Had a vision of it. Jesus came in, pulled up a chair, and sat down. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> and began to talk to him. And he, had, he talked about how that he had missed it, and he was in the hospital. He'd broken his elbow because he'd gotten out of the will of God. And he'd repented, told, and the Lord dealt with him, and he told him he was now going to obey him. So Jesus comes in and says, well, I'll tell you what is about to happen. You're about to enter the third and final phase of your ministry. You guys probably heard this story. And then Jesus just threw this in. This is what got me out of the whole story. Jesus said, most preachers don't enter the first phase of their ministry. And you know, I just thought, wow. Most preachers don't enter. Well, what about then just people? Just average people. Are there people, many people that, that live and die and they get saved and maybe even get filled with the Spirit, but they don't do what they came here to do, or they were short-circuited, or, or maybe something took them out. Uh, I, I, you know, we've lived long enough. I've seen so many people that I've run this race with, and so many of them aren't serving God anymore. And they got short-circuited. Listen, folks, we want to do what we're called to do. And that begins with your marriage. And great marriages don't just happen, they must be built. You ought to write that down. They must be built. That means you have to invest in them. 
That means you don't just see somebody and butterflies and, and music begins to play on the inside of you because they're so pretty and they, they think you're so pretty. And so now you've come together. And just, it's, you know, Cinderella and Snow White. And it doesn't work that way. Because you're going to have to fight for this thing called marriage. Because, and the, the, the crazy thing about marriage that, that is one of the biggest things that challenges it is uh, you are, here's my first point tonight, you are two very different people. Amen. You are two very, very different people. He's been married a while. Uh, and you got to learn to flow together. I mean, you think about it. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 2. You know, God declares, this is the way I want this thing to be. I want two people to come together. Genesis 1, I want them to have this great life. I want them to serve me and follow me and we're going to build the earth. And this was God's, you know, utopia plan in the very beginning. Uh, but, but then he begins to walk this out. Genesis 2, 7. And he didn't create this man and woman at the same time. You know, it's not like they just came about and looked at each other and, and batted their eyes and got married. No, no. No, God walked out uh, uh, the plan that he wanted. And, and it, all these steps are very important and speak to us about the way we're supposed to operate in a marriage. Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. God took some dirt. And he, I don't know what he did. I'm, I bet it was, I want to see that on video when I get to heaven, don't you? But he just, I bet there's sparks flying and he takes his dirt and he just creates this man. It says he, keep reading, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So he takes dirt and he like forms this guy. So form. I've read one rendering of that word in the Hebrew is, is lumped together. I thought that was interesting. For a, a man is lumped together. Because some, seems like some guys, that's, they look a little lumpy. You know what I mean? Especially you get older. You've got to fight lumps all your life. <laughs> lumps. Man, I, this coat's not fitting. It's a little lumpy right in here. Uh, you know, women were not lumped together. When you read about, Trudy will talk about this in detail this weekend. But when you read about women, they were, uh, the word is, uh, they were, what is the word? <laughs> They were, I'm going to the, re, the meaning of the word, fashion. They, but really the word, how God put the woman together it physically was she was built or constructed. You know, I think it shows, don't you guys? You know, men say, wow, that woman's built. That's in the Bible. No, don't say that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But, <laughs> but we, weren't, we don't look the same. We don't look the same, but that's good. I like that. Don't you like that? Yeah, I got some. Yeah. Okay. But let's. But made out of dirt. You know, it's it's interesting too the way we the way we gen. This is general. This is different. Different people. But men generally like to go back to dirt. You know, men we do outdoorsy things more so. We took we did a family weekend last weekend. Uh, I've got kids that live in Tulsa area in, in Oklahoma. And then me and my. Uh, Trudy and I and our son and, and daughter, my son pastors a church called New Song Church in Oklahoma City. So he's got three kids. So we, uh, we all met at uh, Fort Gibson Lake 
and we did outdoor activities. We had a camper, some of us stayed in cabins, but then it was mostly the guys and the kids, though, when we went and got a boat, and we went out on the boat, we went fishing. The, now, the kids wanted to go, even the little girls, but then we rode horses. None of the girls wanted to ride horses except the little kids and me. I was on the horse, but, uh, but it's, it's like the dirt calls out back to men, you know? We came from the dirt, and the dirt cries out, come back, because we don't mind getting dirty so much, you know? We'll get on four-wheelers and get, go outside. I, I don't know. I, I used to hate this, but the older I get, the more I like mowing the lawn. I like having my lawn, you know? That's my yard right there. Got flowers out there, and that's mine. That's mine. And that's my dirt, and it cries to me. I want it to look good. I work on it all the time. And, but, you know, women, are they didn't come from dirt. They don't think quite like that. They, in fact, they don't like you bringing your dirt in their house. So we're learning right here early on that men and women, they're, they're not going to think the same. But, but here's one thing you've got to establish. The man, write this down, the man was called to lead in the marriage. Now, we're going to talk about what that means. That doesn't mean boss. Don't say boss. You're not called a boss. Because you're really created on an equal playing field. But with that, the man was created to lead. Now, I want you to give my beautiful wife, Trudy, a hand as she comes in and talks a little bit about that, would you? Thank you. All right, in the morning, I'm going to go into this in very great detail about women. So do not miss it. You're going to love it. But one of the things in marriage that you've got to understand is like Ken said, purpose determines the design of something. That's why God made man and woman different. They have different roles. They're equal to each other because spiritually, there's no male or female. But for life, God made man the way he made him, and he made woman the way he made her. But they're to be a blend. They're to be co-leaders. Uh, when God said that man had dominion, he meant both of us. We both have dominion. Not over people, but over life together. See, we're heirs together of the, of the grace of life. And as, a, as, a, as partners, we're supposed to get this purpose in our hearts for, and a vision from the very time we get married and then fulfill it, like Ken said, on the earth. But one of the things that God did was first he made Adam because he wanted Adam to lead. And like he said, it doesn't mean you're the boss. Actually, the foundation of something, and that's what a man is. He is the foundation and the responsible one. That's what the leader is. The, the foundation is actually, it's on the bottom. And men are the foundation by which the family uh, stands. And if the foundation isn't good, like Ken said, then the, the house doesn't stand. That's why the scripture says to build your house on the rock. But one of the things God did was he created Adam first, not because he was more important, but because he wanted to mentor him as a leader before he brought that girl on the scene. And it's very important, the leadership of the father in the family, because they set the tone for everything. There is nothing like a daddy, I'm telling you. I was talking to Ken about this last night. I think one of the things that I had in my life that I was so blessed to have was I just had the most wonderful, godly father. And I got to see, 
it was easy for me to receive and be honest. And like he told me, you know, I said, Lord, if you're there, let me know. Because I had a father that I watched him. And I thought, if you're a real father, you'd you'd be like him, like my earthly father. Because he was just, to me, he was just the most amazing, loving, integrous person I'd ever met in my life. And we were laying in bed last night, and I was thinking about my daddy. I was the little one. I was the baby of the family. But till he was old and went to be with Jesus, when I came home to see him, I'll never forget, he loved me, but he, he would treat me with honor when I would come in the door, being his child. He couldn't, he couldn't, he'd gotten crippled during his lifetime in a wreck. And he, um, when I would come in the door, he'd be sitting in a chair because he couldn't get up very, but boy, when I walked in the door, he would put his hands on that chair and he'd push himself up and stand when I came in the door. And I remember one day he was having a hard time getting up and I was going to go help him. And I'll never forget what he did. I walked over there and it was like I was going to give him a hand and he goes, and in that moment, I thought, yep, you're still daddy and I'm still the baby. You're letting me know I got this. You know, it was an attitude of honor and, and, and a leadership that was in him that um, I got to glean from. And then I got a husband that acts just like him. Very full of integrity and honor and has treated me like it's 50 years of just being blessed to have a godly man that has loved me with everything that's in him and been a godly spiritual leader for my family. But what happens is women are affected by the leadership of the husband. Let me read you a scripture right quick. It says, I want you to know, and this is 1 Corinthians eleven three, 3, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is a man, and the head of Christ is God. So he's given us a, 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 a ledger there for how things work, how, how it's first God, then it's Jesus, then it's the man, then it's the woman. And sometimes men have uh, read that or women have read that, and they think they're on the bottom rung, but that's really not the way it works. This is the way it works. It says, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head. This is verse 7. Since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of the man. Now, the word glory, sometimes it's, you don't, you, when you think about glory, you think of something that's just, because God is a spirit and he's glorious, you think of glory as just being kind of a vapor. But glory really means reflection. The glory of God is the reflection of his character and his nature and the way that he is. And so, if a ma- it, it, Christ was the glory of the Father. Remember, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, then man or the husband is to be the glory of Christ. You're supposed to look like him. And then the woman, she gets the she gets the cherry on top because if she's got a good man that's under Christ, then she's the glory of the man and she's a reflection of his leadership and she looks really good. In fact, women are adapters. God made them to be that way. Women have to be adapters. I, I have a quote here I love from, uh, uh, let's see if I can find it right quick. 
from Eleanor Roosevelt. She said this, and I thought this was so good. This isn't in the Bible, but it, it still represents. She says, women have one advantage over men. Throughout history, they have for, they've been forced to make adjustments. And most of the time we do. Because, you know, the, uh, your husband will have a job. He has to move. You make adjustments. But she said the result is that in most cases it's less difficult for a, a woman to adapt to new situations than it is to a man. And their nature's like that because women are connectors. You know, women will come to church and they'll connect quicker than the husband. He's going to size everything up a little bit first when he comes in. I don't know if I want to go to that church or not. But the wife meets another lady and they just love each other and they start looking at their shoes and their grandbabies and all that. And they just start that connection thing, which is one of the giftings that are in women anyway. But God wants us. As, as husbands and, and families and marriages to be a reflection of who he is. And one of the things I tell men is if right now tonight you don't like the way your wife looks, then you better go look and see what you've been putting in her. Because women have this, they have the ability to adapt, but they'll also, if it's, not, if it's negative, they'll adapt to that too. The positive or the negative, they'll adapt to whatever situation they're in. That's why women sometimes will stay in a, an abusive situation. They just learn to adapt. They just learn to put up with it. And women, I'm telling you, women will go the, the extra mile until they're completely worn out. They will go and go and go beyond what they can really even have inside of their heart to go because they that's just the way they're made they were designed to adapt and to help and i'll talk more about the helper tomorrow and how god created this amazing creature and that's why god created adam first was because he was going to mentor that boy and say look i'm going to bring somebody along to you later and you better treat her good because she's my girl so in the morning, we're going to talk a little bit more about just some of the aspects of the, of the woman. But men need to lead their families. There is nothing, nothing on this earth like a godly man and a, and a woman security when she knows her man loves God. She knows her man's going to go to prayer. She knows if he doesn't have an answer, he's going to still be there in strength and guide that family and be a light. There is nothing like that for a woman in her life than to know that. And that's one of the building blocks of a good marriage is first of all knowing that the husband is the foundation. And, and hey, we know you're not perfect. We know you're not perfect, but I'm going to tell you something. When you know a man is, is trying and you know a man loves God and you know he doesn't have all the answers, it gives you great respect for them because you know they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure your family is secure and loves God and, and uh, does what it's supposed to do as the purpose we talked about on this earth. We have great purpose. I can't emphasize this enough. I see so many people that are so purposeless. And they do not realize, like Ken said, on the long timeline, I just this fascinates me. On the long timeline of life, from the time that God created Adam and Eve until he comes back, which may not be far away, there was this little bitty piece of time. And he said, I'm going to plant you right there. And you were not an accident. You were supposed to be here. 
you have a purpose. You have something to accomplish as a, as a, as a couple and as a family in this earth and as a part of this church. And whatever endeavor you're in, you were put here for now. And don't ever think you weren't. And that's what marriage and family is all about in, in 2020. Hey, I did not ever dream when we got married when I was 17 years old that in, not in 2020 we would be married 50 years and all that would have happened this year when we were married 50 years. But listen, thank God we built on the rock, see. So at 50 years, we're still as steady as you go, and we've seen all kinds of things and known that the God of, that we have served will always pull us through, always take us through anything that we face. So men, rise up and be the leader that your, husband, that your wife needs. So I'm going to let you have it back. disobey God, it's serious business. And what they did was passed on then to all humanity. And it's been being passed down for 20, 20 years. It's a long time, right? But, uh, excuse me, 7,000 years. But uh, let's look at this, Genesis 2.16. Let's, let's talk about this curse just a little bit. Uh, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree you may freely, every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, it says every tree of the garden you may freely eat. I'm so glad God put that word freely in. You know what he's telling Adam? Adam, I want you to be blessed. Yeah. I don't want you to just have a little bit. See all those great trees? You freely eat. Enjoy yourself. God wants you to have a fun time on the earth. He wants you to laugh and be full. and He wants, he wants you to, to fulfill what you, you came here to do and have a good time doing it. Isn't that good to know? God, is the joy of the Lord is our strength. So God is a joyful God, right? So he, he's t he tells them that, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So what happened? They did, and the result was separation. And this curse coming on the earth. Now this curse was threefold. First of all, there was pronounced a curse on the woman. The woman's time on the earth. Genesis 3.16. I'm reading out of the New Living. As God pronounced this curse. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband. But he will rule over you. And we've seen that coming to pass. You know, generally, and this has been going on for centuries. But women are perceived as less than men in society. And that's a general perception. Now, in America, we probably have the most, we have, women here have the most freedom of any place in the world. But you know, in Middle Eastern countries, women can't even be educated. And that still goes on today. And, and women are like, they're perceived not as smart. They're, they're, they're not as good as men. And then men will use their strength, their physical strength to abuse women. 
And that's part of this curse trying to come on women. Trudy was, she kind of referred to this, but one night she was preaching in a ladies' meeting, and I was in the hotel, and uh, I was going to preach the next day. And she came in the room that night, and she was just furious, just mad. After preaching this ladies' meeting, I said, Honey, you all right? Yes. Let me tell you what happened. And she had preached that night, and then she had a prayer line and prayed for some of the women. And this woman, this little woman came up, and she was a member of the church. Her and her husband went to the church, faithfully went to the church. And she, she was, would you say she was mousy? Isn't that what she said? She just kind of had a mousy, kind of, deme- her demeanor was bent over. And she said, I want you to pray for me that God will help me. And Trudy said, okay, what are we going to pray about? She said, well, sometimes I make my husband so mad. And sometimes he'll get so upset at me and he'll yell at me. Sometimes I even do things. He gets so mad he makes me sleep on the floor. And she's listening to this. She said, makes you sleep on the floor? What? Yes, just pray that I'll have the strength that, that I can endure this. What did you tell her? I said, you're not supposed to do that. And she came home and said, steam was coming out of her ears. Because that ain't right. This guy's going to church all the time. Faithful member. And doing things like that at home. That's not right. That's not God's way. But it is the curse trying to come on females. That's the the thing they have to mentally deal with. Uh, Then the curse on the man. Let's read about that. Because they're different. Because men and women don't think quite the same. And to the man, verse 17. And to the man... He said, God said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Curse on the ground. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. He's saying, you're going to get something out of it, but it's going to be hard. You know, the Hebrew scholars say, when God came to Adam, he said, Adam, what have you done in, in, in that Adam disobeyed God. You know, he came to the man. He didn't come to the woman. Yeah. She partook of the fruit, but as Trudy said, he should have stopped her from doing that in, in, the, in a perfect world. But, uh, but th- this curse on the earth, men have to deal with. And, and, and you can even have some success. I grew up on a farm, and there'd be times, different years, we'd have a good crop. But then there would be years that it was tough, man. And we were always fighting the weather. We're fighting drought. We're fighting weeds all the time. And my dad had such an aversion to weeds. He worked my little tiny rear end off, hoeing weeds all of my growing up life because we hated weeds. But weeds are part of the curse. And what go, what's going on with man? Let me read the rest of this. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. There is nothing more hurtful to a man than the inability to make a living and take care of his family. You know, when you, uh, Trudy talked about the way women are connectors. You know, when women meet, like she said, they, they just, they, they easily connect. They'll say, oh, I love that outfit. Girl, you look so good tonight. Wow. Show me your pictures of your family. You know, then they just do that. Men aren't like that. You have a men's meeting, you know, guys coming in. Even if they know a few, know a few people, they, they're kind of standoffish. And you meet somebody new. Hey, how you doing? My name's Ken. What's your name? They tell you their name. I mean, I have, have some of me all the time in churches. 
And they say, yeah. And before, in the conversation, usually it'll go to something like this. Uh, what do you do? What do you, what do you do? What do you do? That's a man thing. Why? Because we find as men, <laughs> as men, we find our identity in what we put our hand to do. And it's a big deal that we are respected because of what we do. So the very thing that the enemy comes at you with is you're not good enough. And your doing's not enough. And you aren't enough man to do this. And this is the, the attack on men. Nothing is more hurtful to a man like that. So many men retreat when they can't do what they want to do into alcohol and, and drugs and pornography and different things that pull them, pull on them because they just feel like they're not good enough. But then there is a third party that was cursed. And I like this one. Look at verse 14. So there's a curse we have to understand as men what we have to deal with this thing. With our faith, with the, with the help of God, right? Women, you have to understand how you operate. So you can use your faith with the help of God. And we can, we can overcome these things. Because you're called to be an overcomer, right? Yes. But here's why we can overcome. Genesis 3.14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, that's the devil, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of that field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now this is prophetic of what God's going to do. He's putting a curse on the devil. How many know the devil is cursed? Amen. Do you know he's going down? <laughs> he's already gone down. He's, really, he's already been defeated, and yet there's coming a day that he will be delivered into chains of darkness. His day's coming. I believe he knows that. But look at this. I love this because it says he's going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Well, women, you know, when it comes to reproduction, the man is the one that carries the seed, right? But it says between her seed. Well, she didn't have seed. She produces the egg. What's this talking about? It's talking about she's going to bear a child that won't be born of a man. And her seed, it will be the seed, it will be her seed, Amen. but it will be the seed of God. Amen. And he's going to come, and we're talking about Jesus here, and he's going to bruise your head. That represents the authority of the enemy that he uses to try to, to put all this junk on us. He bruised his head, and the devil bruised his heel, but he stepped on him and took him out, right? Praise God. This is prophetic about what Jesus, the seed of the woman, would do to the serpent. And I think it's so cool because it was the woman that ate first of the fruit. <laughs> and yet, she's the one that God brought redemption through. Amen. Women are very important. Isn't that cool? Yes, you know, the first gospel message was preached by a woman. It was Mary at the tomb. And Jesus loves women. And women are capable you know, they say women can't preach. Well, why did he use her to preach the very first message? You know, I tell you, you can tell my wife can preach. My son's got a wife that can preach. Hallelujah. But, they, but the curse tried, has tried to come. It'll try to come. But you've got to deal with it. But you can do so. And then my third point is, if you're willing to learn some things and put in some work, no matter where you find your marriage tonight, it can be redeemed. It can be fixed. If you're willing to put in some work. Everybody say work. work. Let's, let's look at Genesis chapter 3. 
verse 24. No matter where you are tonight, you know, I see some young people here that aren't married. Uh, see a lot of couples, but then maybe, you, maybe you've been through something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're divorced. Uh, maybe maybe you, you've never been married and you want to be. But let's, let's Genesis 3.24, let's read this and we'll start closing. Uh, this is after everything happened in the garden. And the Bible said that so he... That's God drove out the man and placed a cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So man and woman, Adam and Eve, had to be evicted out of the garden. And one of the thoughts I've heard behind that is God had to do that because there was another tree there called the tree of life. And if they would have eaten from the tree of life, then in a fallen state, they could have lived perpetually forever and ever and ever cursed and away from God and mankind would be doomed and that makes sense to me so God had to evict them and this word says he drove them out it's an interesting word in the original language that word is the word divorced what happened to God and Adam and Eve was a divorce because there was a covenant relationship that's what marriage is that was broken. And God had no choice. Do you know, I can't get into all this tonight, but there are grounds for biblical divorce in the New Testament. Now, the perfect will of God is you work things out and you stay married all of your life. And yet, people don't always do that. And there are, there's forgiveness. And Jesus preached marriage really strong and hard. And said, if you do this, you know, it's like you're committing adultery. He preached it strong. And don't do it. Don't get a divorce. But then this same Jesus went to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, who had been married five times. Was it five times? And then was living with a guy. Remember that story? And Jesus sought her out. And she's a, she's a Samaritan. She didn't even have a covenant with God. But Jesus loved her so much, so much in that story that's beautiful. He went and found her and ministered to her. And she got right with God. So she was forgiven. Been divorced five times living with the dude. There was a woman in John chapter 8 who was caught in the act of adultery. I mean caught in the act. And the Pharisees grabbed her and pulled her out and brought her to Jesus because they were trying to manipulate and prove their little point and all this kind of thing. You know, my first thought was, how come, okay, they brought the woman, but what about the guy? Yeah. They're hypocrites. They come to Jesus and said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. You, you, she can be stoned according to the law. And Jesus didn't disagree with them because that's what the law said. But I love how he did this. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. So the Bible said he didn't answer them because Jesus was cool. You know, Jesus is the coolest dude you've ever seen in your life. He just begins to write in the dirt. And they ask him again, hey, what, what do you say about this woman? Writing in the dirt. And then he just looks up, and I bet he said it's so cool. Okay. Whoever is without sin, you throw the first rock. And they all left, one at a time, until there was just Jesus and the woman. And he said, he's so cool with her, too. He says, where are your accusers? She said, they're not here. He said, I don't accuse you either. Boy, in God's mercy, big. Isn't that beautiful? He said, now go. But then he said this too. And don't do this anymore. Because this was getting her in trouble, right? That's the way God is. 
because He wants to help you. But, uh, but God, think about it, back to this word divorce. You know, the Scripture says in Malachi that God hates divorce. You know why? Because He's been through one. And he knows, he knows the hurt of divorce. He knows the hurt of divorce. Because I don't know. I've, I've, we've, we've gone through this with so many people. I don't think there's anything more destructive in the life of a human than divorce. Than breaking this covenant. And it's so hurtful. And here's what it is. God puts people together. Even if they're not saved. God honors unsaved people that get, get, that get married and make vows. And when you tear that apart, it, it, it's, it's, like putting, it's like gluing two pieces of paper together and then saying, well, we can just split this up like it was. Uh-uh. It'll never be the same. So he hates divorce because he's been through one. But God can help you with divorce because he knows the pain of it. And so he had to, he had to divorce them. But then look at verse 20, and I'm going to close with this. Here are Adam and Eve. Can you imagine how they felt? They have sinned. Adam's failed. Eve's failed. They can't go back in the garden. The presence of God has been cut off from them now. And this this little scripture here, Genesis 3.20, is so beautiful. It says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was a mother of all living. Now, here's what I believe. I'm just reading through, reading between the lines here. The, the, this horrible circumstance they found themselves in. Adam, the man, looked at his wife and said, Okay, okay, here's where we are. We, you know, we could split up. And they could have. They could have gotten divorced. But Adam said, Babe, here's where we are. We got, we got to move on. Listen, I'm going to call you Eve. Eve means mother. The mother of all living. That's what Eve means. I'm going to call you Eve because you're going to be a mama because we're going to go on. And God told us we're going to be fruitful and multiply. We're going to do the best we can with this now. We're going to have babies. And they did. They stayed together. They patched it up, didn't they? And they went on. Kudos to Adam and Eve. If they hadn't done that, we would not be sitting here tonight. You understand that? They didn't quit after all they'd been through, they rose up and they fulfilled their calling together. They stayed together. They built a life. They had kids. Here's what I want to say in, in, in closing tonight. It's worth it to work on your marriage. It's worth it to work on it. We all have to do this. There's just not a time that you just, you're married and everything now is just rosy and everything's wonderful. You'll have challenges in your marriage. I say this to people Trudy and I have been married nearly 50 years, but pretty much every day of our life, okay, our married life, and we're together a lot, a whole lot, but pretty much every day we disagree about something. Sometimes it gets heated because we're different. We're going to learn tomorrow about how different is good. Viva la difference. That's really true because you are different. You can come together and, and when you learn how to work together, you're going to go to a different level because you've got two different people coming together, bringing gifts, bringing these great things together. God wants to take you to a level you could never do alone. But you've got to work on it. you just got to be willing to work on it. God will help you. God will help you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for these wonderful people. We give you praise. 
that they have come to invest in their marriages. Young people have come to learn about this. We pray tonight for everybody that's come. We pray that you, that, that, that you for this church and what you call them to do here in Kansas City area, in DeSoto, in, in Little Rock. Lord, we thank you for our assignments during this time. And Lord, we just thank you and I pray that you help us. Help us to have some conversations even tonight. Help us to open up in new and different ways so that we can be better than we came when we leave. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name.